The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ever thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with, while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. My show is called Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we're going to have a wonderful trip today with Dr. Constance Scharf. She's a PhD, and she um, and Richard Tate have written a wonderful book called Ending Addiction for Good, the Groundbreaking Holistic Evidence, excuse me, the Grounding Holistic Evidence-Based Way to Transform Your Life. Welcome to the show, Constance. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So um, you, among other things, are a PhD and you're into neurobiology, which sounds sounds very... I got my PhD in a field called transformative studies, which is the study of the nature of change. How does change occur? And And that change is only with humans or can it be with climate and other things or what? It could be with anything. So, so everyone in my program would look at change processes in general. And then I specifically looked at addiction and addiction recovery because it's one of the most profound changes a person can go through in their life from addict to non-addict. And, uh, what attracted you to, uh, study addiction issues? I, uh, I'm in recovery myself. I've been sober about 14 and a half years at this point. And, um, when I was doing my doctoral work, I was volunteering with men who were at the VA, men and women, mostly men, at the Veterans Administration. And, uh, a lot of them were coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan with PTSD, and they weren't able to stay sober. And so I, I, be- I became really interested in, the impact of trauma on sobriety and learning why people um, with trauma um, have seem to have a harder time uh, being in recovery from addiction, and that's what spawned my interest. I see. Okay, so we'll get back to that in a little bit. Sure. Um, would you Would you be willing to start off and uh, telling me and my audience, or our our audience, because it's for you too, um, how you grew up, uh, what kind of family you were in, and and what what eventually took you on the trail you took to end up being this person with uh, studying addiction? 
Sure. So uh, I grew up, um, I was born a uh, fifth generation uh, Californian. Um, I grew up uh, the first years of my life in California's Central Valley, um, outside of Fresno. And uh, I had a sort of crazy family. My uh, family is Jewish and my parents were pig farmers. So, you know, we didn't fit in anywhere, <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> and... Um, my uh, mother has has some issues with anger management, and my father was terribly abusive. And uh, uh, I needed to to find a way to cope with that, with the isolation of of farm life, with the isolation of uh, you know being pig farmers in a Jewish community puts you on the outs, um, with the isolation of being abused by my parents. And uh, so when my parents divorced and I was 11, uh, uh-huh. I, found, I found alcohol and I started drinking. And I found that that worked. It helped to ease the pain that yes. I was in. I was a full-blown alcoholic by the time, um, probably by the end of my first semester in college. I lived in the country in Oregon, so wasn't, I didn't have a lot of access to alcohol then. Uh-huh. But by the time I was in college, I was a full-blown alcoholic. And by 22... Um, I was drinking two liters on average of hard liquor a day, sometimes more, and um, I was dying. You could feel and see my liver and oh my. my kidneys. My my organs were already distended at that point. And uh, let, let, let me ask you a question. So when you were drinking all this alcohol in college, were you able to do okay with your studies? I was, I'm in the... Uh, Four national honor societies, including Phi Beta Kappa. That wasn't that wasn't yeah. a problem. I was able yeah. to get through college. I, you know, I, I, fortunately, I was just smart enough to get through. I see. Um, but and I also was strategic. I mean, I I majored in something I was really good at. <laughs> um, I majored in uh, in uh, government because uh-huh. it, the stories of government and how people worked. It was intuitive for me. I understood those processes, and I remembered the history as if someone had had read had written me, you know, a fictional tale. And so I picked things that I was good at, you know, strategically. Um, but yeah, so I got out of college and I knew I was dying. Yeah. So I took some temporary jobs um, and uh, my father passed away unexpectedly of a heart attack. Uh-huh. How old was he when he died? 52, I believe. Maybe oh, 53. My. I think 52. Um and that gave me room to get sober because uh-huh. he was so abusive and so overbearing and so uh, domineering. I couldn't get away from him when he was alive. But when he was dead, I was like, you can change your life and you don't have to die. Yes. And, and so I, I got sober. I worked, went to work for a nonprofit organization. I worked for the Girl Scouts for many years. Um, and that allowed me the room to um, try to uh, turn my life around. And what I found was that I was able to get sober, and I was able to recover um, from my alcoholism, which was, I mean, profound even by alcoholic standards. Uh-huh. But I was miserable because I had all this trauma from my past. Yes. And so I sought out psychotherapy, and I sought out acupuncture, and I sought out all these different things to help me to recover. Yeah. And uh, then I, I came to a point where I was like, you know what, this is, I'm going to go back to grad school because I had maxed out at the Girl Scouts. I was 30 years old, and I wasn't going to move up the ladder without a master's degree or a lot more experience. Yeah. Before you go and, on, what, what, what did you do as an employee of the Girl Scouts? 
Uh, everything. I did membership programs, properties. I ran summer camps, um, recruited new members, trained leaders. And so, you, so, so you're spending a lot of time with uh, the young girls? No, mostly with the, with the adults who work with them. I see. And yeah. did you enjoy that job? Oh, I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I, I'm, a, I'm a gold award recipient with the Girl Scouts. It's the highest award a person can achieve. Wow. So what did you love about do, doing the Girl Scout work? Well, I, I was involved in Girl Scouts because it gave me a way out of my house. I see. And, and I knew when I was at summer camp or when I was at um, a Girl Scout event or whatever that for those kids that I couldn't identify as abused, because most of them you can't, Yes. That I knew that I was giving them an opportunity to get away and to be kids and to have some time that was stress-free for them. So I really yes. loved doing that. Yes. So you, you were helping them have the kind of life at the Girl Scout meetings and, and functions that you couldn't have at home. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I did that and I, but I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to move up in the organization and, um, I went to grad school and that's where I learned about getting, and I got a master's in leadership so that I uh-huh. could go back and do this. And, and that's where I learned about this PhD in, in transformative studies and change. Uh-huh. Yes. And meanwhile, I was doing this volunteer work with, with the guys from the VA and seeing them relapse. And I was like, there's no difference between these war veterans and me, except for the details of our stories. Yes, and because you, because you're growing up in your family, you were engaged with post-traumatic stress disorder frequently. All the time. Yeah. And I mean, when I first got sober, I couldn't, I couldn't go into a meeting by myself, a 12-step meeting by myself. I couldn't sit in the chair. I uh-huh. had to, at my uh, regular uh, Friday night meeting, I had someone, someone I knew had to sit in front of me, behind me, to my right and to my left, or I couldn't stay. Uh-huh. And my group tolerated that, and they made that possible for me so that I could get better. But, you know, not everybody has that kind of support. Yes. You know, not everybody has the means to get the psych- kind of psychotherapy that I had for a decade. Yes. Not everybody has the means to get the kind of acupuncturist and personal training and all of that kind of stuff that I was able to get. So yes. I really became interested in finding out why was I making it and why weren't these other guys? Because I really wasn't any different, and I knew it had to be the support that I was getting. And that's what I started looking at in my doctoral studies. I see. Yeah. And then you ended up um, eventually doing research and work on um, uh, different kinds of emotional issues, including, but perhaps not limited, to alcoholism. Correct. So when I got out of uh, school, out of my, graduated with my doctorate, I found that most Universities don't know what transformative studies is. It's, yes. um, you know, not a traditional discipline. And so I had a hard time finding a job, to be blunt. And a friend of mine runs a treatment center, Richard Tate, and uh, he owns it and, and created it. And, and he asked me if I would write a book with him. And I said no initially. So because treatment centers, for the most part, don't have a very good reputation for success. And I had been looking at, you know, what really makes treatment and recovery successful and how do people succeed yes and uh, he pursued me for a long time and then finally he said oh i've been reading this guy prochaska and i was like yeah i know him 
you know, his work, that's the basis of my doctoral dissertation. Uh And what I found is that his treatment program at Cliffside Malibu does things radically differently than most treatment programs do. And so I came on board to look at that, and then I eventually with him wrote the book, Ending Addiction for Good, Uh about a treatment program that truly has such an exceptional success rate that he's able to guarantee the treatment center's work, which you won't get anywhere else in the world. So the guarantee is what if the patient doesn't uh, So if a, if a client stays yeah. for the full range of treatment, which usually yeah. takes 90 to 120 days, he doesn't keep people past 120 days. Uh-huh. If they stay for the full range of treatment and then subsequently relapse uh, before one year of recovery, he brings them back to primary care for free. Uh-huh. You well, won't get good. that anywhere else. Yes. Well, that's good. Yeah. So that's what that's what I became interested in because what I found in this treatment program is, first of all, it's holistic, which is is uh, not only nice, you know, for all the in, you know environmental and, and psychosocial reasons you can think of, but it really is helpful in meeting a person where they are at the levels of mind, body, and spirit. But also, this program is based on understanding where a person is at their individual level of readiness to change. Uh-huh. So you have people, you have addicts who don't believe they're addicts, right? We talk about denial all the time. I don't, you know, it's not that bad. You know, I only, you know, ran over my child. Like, yes. you know, they don't get it. And then you have people like me who were so completely demoralized. You're like, I know I'm an addict and I'm going to die because I don't see any way out of this. You know, uh-huh. or you have people who are really motivated to change, who are like, yeah, I'm ready. Yes. I don't like this life. I want to do something different. And so what we can do using the stages of change model is identify where a person is and then help them to change based on their level of readiness. And then as yes. they move through these stages, when they hit an obstacle, because we understand how the change process works, we can say, okay, this is the obstacle that you're hitting, and help them to move around it successfully. Uh-huh. That sounds good. Yeah, and so that was what was so exciting to me about, about this treatment model. I see. And then um, your big um, interest these days is the neurobiology of emotions and and people yes so one of the things that i've learned in doing research on addiction and i'm now employed by cliffside malibu as a full-time addiction researcher so all i do um, is look at the research that's coming out of you know different institutions different countries all over the place that pertains to addiction to see what works what doesn't, what's showing promise, et cetera. And one of the things that I've been learning about is neuro... You went off... You, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. You said neuro, and I didn't hear the biology part. <laughs> well, neuroscience yeah. and brain biology. So how yeah. does the brain work? And one of the things that we understand, um, one of the ways to understand addiction is as a disease. And that's not a model that I subscribe to or that we use in this, in this treatment program. We look at addiction as a behavioral disorder. And, and the, the neurobiology, the brain science that has uh, come out the last, 
oh, 10 or 15 years, backs that up. And, and in layman's terms, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it down so that you know, anyone can understand it. In your brain, there are these things called neural pathways, and they're basically thought loops. You know, if you want to pick up a cup, there's a, a pathway that's, you know, that goes from your brain and then you know, shoots a message down to your arm to pick up the cup. And the more you, you, a baby has trouble picking up a cup, you know, and that's why we have sippy cups, right? Because everything gets dumped everywhere. But as you pick up a cup more and more often, you become, you know, adapted to do that. That neural pathway in your brain becomes strong. So what we found in addiction is that, you know, we have all sorts of neural pathways that do all sorts of things. But the addiction... Wait, can you you hold on? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we need to take a commercial break right now. So uh, we'll come back in a minute or so and take up where you left off, okay? Sure. All right. Thank you. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total Access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd 
at yahoo.com. Now, back to human behavior. What a trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. I'm here with my guest, Constant Scharf, Ph.D., and we're talking about various aspects of human behavior. At the moment, we're talking about neurobiology. So, uh, Constance, why don't you pick up where you left off, if you can remember. Sure. Sure. Uh, Okay. So what we've learned about addiction and the brain is that the addictive process works like any other behavioral process. The more you do it, the stronger that that neural loop becomes. It's like lifting a weight. If you if you lift a weight with your right hand, your your right arm is going to get stronger. It's the same with addiction. But what we've also learned is that in that process, and it, this also has to do with the biochemistry of the brain and the chemicals that are being ingested, the pleasure centers of the brain get hijacked. And so the only thing that becomes pleasurable or at least you know, not painful, because as addiction progresses, it's about pain management and, and management of withdrawal symptoms, but is, is the addiction itself. And it could, be, it could be a process disorder like gambling or sex addiction or those sorts of things, or it could be a, a chemical addiction like alcoholism and drug abuse. And so your brain gets this loop, and it really can't stop itself from doing the addictive behavior. Okay, let me ask, let me ask you a question. Sure. Uh, which may make it clearer for me and people who listen to the show. Um, if I hear you correctly, when you talk about the pleasure centers of the brain, when the, when the person is gambling, addiction with gambling or addiction with alcohol, that's the pleasure they're having. Right, so there are all sorts of chemicals that are released in the brain naturally that, uh, the chemicals from either the adrenaline rush of something like addic- of, uh, gambling or uh, the uh, actual chemicals that are ingested in an addiction like, uh, you know, opioids or, or alcohol or whatever, that changes the brain's biochemistry. Okay, so and- let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take an example. Let's say um, Beethoven. Well, let's take Beethoven, for example. Okay. So um, when he was busy um, doing his music. Yes. Um, well, before he went deaf, let's say, mm-hmm. when, he, when he was doing his music, if he was doing it uh, 18 hours a day and then basically just eating and sleeping, uh, then he would have pleasure centers that were, were uh, pleasing for him regarding his addiction to music. Yes and no. Um, it depends on if he got a high out of the behavior. And so, yeah. if he got a high out of the behavior, yes, it would be very, it would become very hard for him to want to engage in other things. I see. So, one of the um, parts of this addiction thing then is that it uh, takes over much of your time and energy, and then you're lost in other ways. Exactly. It becomes an ingrained behavior that you really, it's like a a hamster in a wheel. It can't get out of it. 
But, I what's see. A, but what's amazing yes. is that we found, we used to believe that the brain couldn't heal itself, that nerves were damaged and that was it. If you had a stroke, you didn't really necessarily, if the brain damage was profound, you weren't going to recover fully. We're yes. now finding that the brain heals itself in miraculous ways. Yeah, and that's what awesome. you can do is train yourself to have a new neural loop. Right, uh-huh. so new neural pathways develop in recovery by getting treatment and dealing with you know the reasons why you were drinking and using in the first place and the reasons you know um, and getting supportive holistic treatments. We can re- we can change the way the brain is wired uh-huh. so that recovery becomes the new normal, and we can make that new normal as strong as the addiction part of the brain. So for the person to uh, have the uh, neurons fire up and be be working right and to have the new normal, they have to want this, right? I mean, it can't be really orchestrated for them to do it by just being very passive. Well, I would say yes and no. Initially, yeah. the person just has to be willing to go to treatment yeah. and stay. Part of the job of treatment is to give someone the confidence, because it's usually a lack of confidence, a demoralization, a lack of belief in oneself that takes someone out of treatment. They just don't believe that they can do it. They don't believe they're worth it. You know, they believe their problems are so bad they should die. So yes. it's, treatment's really about giving initially the confidence and and the belief in themselves that they're willing to do the process, they're willing to do the work. So uh-huh. you know you don't have to, you do not have to go to treatment saying woohoo I'm ready to do this. That's that's not necessary at all. You just need to be willing to stay and and to and to be supported enough till you believe in yourself that hey you know what I actually can have the life that I've always dreamed about. So ideally, most of these people who are uh, in these programs, and we'll just for the moment talk about the one in Malibu. It's it's what it's called. Uh, it's called uh, Malibu Cliffside Cliff, Malibu. Say it again. Cliffside Malibu. Cliffside Malibu. Okay. So in that treatment center, uh, I'm assuming one of the things that has to happen, uh, either by choice or just sort of happen on its own, although the former is better, is for people to be able to uh, to push away their defenses, to push away their walls, and to allow themselves to have access to the real feelings and impulses. Um, eventually, eventually, but you yes. don't need to be there when you walk in the door. I mean, we certainly do interventions, and uh, yes. we, we do a different style of intervention than, than a lot of people do. We call it loving people into treatment. Yeah, so you uh, you treat them with loving care. So, but there's no ultimatum. There's no, you know, yes. you're going to get kicked out. Your life's going to be terrible. It's, we love you so much that we yes. want this for you, and so it's it's not a tough love approach to treatment. And so that's really the the starting point for getting people to want to be in treatment and to and to believe. You know what? I might actually be able to do this. I see. Okay, we're coming up with another break, I believe. So we'll take that right now. Sure. And we'll come back in a minute or so. 
real-life solutions. Voice America Health & Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my guest, Constance Scharf, Ph.D., and we're talking about neurobiology. And where we left off, I believe you were talking about um, the uh, pathways, and then you were talking about uh, taking a loving approach to how you do your work. Sure. So yes. it, with, with an intervention, yeah, that, we, that we, we want people to believe that there's hope. The greatest problem for the addict is their, their addiction comes from pain. You have pain, you have trauma, you have something that you can't deal with in your past, and the addiction makes it manageable. It makes it go away, at least for the moment, you, and you can, you, know, you can breathe. You're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I can, I can handle that until the addiction takes over your life, and then everything just falls apart. Yes. And what we find with addicts is that they are overall so demoralized that they need that love and support, not tough love. They don't need to be told how wrong they are and how um, uh, they've hurt the family and they've done all these terrible things. They already know that. Yes. They're already well aware that they miss their child's 
um, you know, dance recital or wedding or, you know, uh, threw yes. up on grandma. Like, they know those things happened. And so they don't need to be told how horrible they are. They need to be supported so that they believe that they're worth going to treatment. Yes, that's important. And that's one of the things that we do, you know, all the way through treatment. One of the reasons why we don't usually use the disease model, and I say usually because if there's someone who comes to treatment and says, I believe I have a disease, we're like, okay, we'll work with whatever you're bringing to the table. But for yes. the most part, we don't use the disease model because what happens in the addict's mind is, you know, you go to treatment and you're told you have a disease, you'll have it for the rest of your life, the best you can hope for is to manage it. You'll probably relapse. Oh, and by the way, most people die from this. Why wouldn't you walk right out the door? Yes, because it sounds very bleak. It's very bleak. And so yes. what, we, what we do is we say, right, you know, you have this behavior. It's become ingrained. Behaviors can be changed. Your brain can be healed. Your body can, for the most part, be healed. Your mind can be healed. Your, your spirit can be healed. And you can go on to build the kind of life that you want. That's a very different message, but it gives addicts something to hold on to. Yes, if I so may say something, from, what you just said, the, the last paragraph you said, mm -hmm. uh, it sounded beautiful. And I would imagine that a, a large percentage of the people who are coming into the program and hear this right away, on some level, they can resonate with it. On some level, and then there are some people who need to hear it for a while before they believe it. Of course, yeah. Yeah, but, but that's, that's really what's different about this program as, a, as opposed to other. You can get acupuncture at more than half of the, of the uh, treatment programs in the yes. country. You can get intensive psychotherapy at, at most of the places that you go to, but, but putting it together synergistically with this message of hope is, is really what sets this apart because it, it, gives, it gives addicts something to believe in about themselves and changing their future. Yes, and in addition to what you just said, and they also get good treatment. Well, sure. I mean, uh, Cliffside Malibu is is a boutique facility. It's uh, extremely luxurious. It has 180 degree white uh, cap views of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Um, yeah. On a clear day, you can see, you know, Catalina Island. I mean, it's really amazing in that sense. And we we do provide, you know, the most cutting edge treatment. In part because of what I do is going through, you know all the research that's being done into addiction saying, hey, this is working in England. What do we have available in Los Angeles? Yes. I happen to, uh, I live in Southern California in Thousand Oaks, and I'm only about maybe 15 miles or less to the Cliffside Malibu Treatment Center. I'd, I'd love to go there sometime oh, and, check, more it, than and check it out. You're more than welcome. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so um, you, you guys do a lot of good work there. So um, you talk about styles of therapy, approach and content, and all this stuff, the body. But w when I'm going through these lists of Chapter 8 in your book, um, this all in some way or, for, or, or in, in some way in matter or, or motion, um, you're basically doing neurobiology. Well, that, I mean... Neurobiology is part of it. You know, as a, as a researcher, I'm 
my my focus is on what are the pieces of the puzzle that yes. get people better. You know, I'm not yes. I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't see clients. I'm not licensed that way. That's not what I do. I yes. look at this as as what do people need to get better? And and this this new brain research that's coming out is yes. really exciting because it helps us to redefine addiction recovery. One of the things as an addict myself, you know, a recovered addict that makes me so sad yes. is when I hear people talking about professionals, very often not addicts themselves, you know, talk about how they're demoralized by the low recovery rates among addicts. I mean, really, it's terrible. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of treatment center you go to, 12-step programs, non-12-step programs, religious programs. They, for, you know, for the most part, with very few exceptions, have terrible recovery rates. And so my passion is then finding out what works. And so yes. this, this brain science is, is really up and coming. And one of the things that we're finding, for example, by understanding the brain better, is um, that hyperbarics, um, hyper-oxygenating the brain, uh-huh. has been uh, used with stroke victims in a bunch of studies in the UK. And what we're finding is that has, it doesn't help people recover 100%, but people are making great strides in their recovery. Well, alcoholism also causes brain damage. There are alcoholics who drink so long that they traditionally were called wet brains, that they just had so much brain damage you couldn't do anything with them anymore and they didn't recover. And But we're finding with hyperbarics as it's applied to strokes, also has applications with addiction recovery, particularly with alcoholism and, and with methamphetamine. And so that's the kind of research that we're then able to apply to help addicts recover really, really full lives. So when they take this hyperoxygen, do they inhale it for uh, like an hour or two at a time or what? how does it work? Well, it's a, it's a hyperbaric chamber, so it was um, initially to treat the bends in divers. Yes. So it's, you go into a chamber, it's not like a mask or anything. I get you. So yeah. That's a very expensive proposition. Um, well, I mean, the best treatment is, and, and one of the things people you know, say to me, they say, well, Cliffside Malibu is, is expensive, and I say, well, it is, but the good news is most of our clients only come once. Yes. If you stay through treatment, you really are going to recover, whereas I know people who've been to treatment, you know, a dozen times. Well, if you've been a dozen times at $30,000 a pop for 30 days yes. and it didn't take, you would have been better off going someplace expensive where you really are going to get the treatment that you specifically need. And one of the things that a boutique facility like Cliffside Malibu can do, because it is small, is to give you specific, individualized, unique treatment catered exactly to you and your needs. Yeah, that sounds and great. And that's, you know, if you, can, if you can afford that, that's what, that's what you should do. But if you can't, the book outlines for you what different types of treatments are available so that with whatever resources you can muster, yes. that you can, you can provide that for yourself. I did not go to treatment. I picked and chose the types of treatments that worked for me. And then at a certain point, I hit that sort of magic, you know, place where I was like, oh, that was the last thing that I needed. Well, I was miserable for 10 years in that process. 
and not everybody's able to stay sober for 10 years to find that magic treatment, but it can be done. Right. So hypothetically, if you uh, 20 years ago or whatever could have known about this kind of program, then you would have done this kind of program and saved yourself a lot of time. I would have saved myself a lot of misery. And misery also, yes. I mean, that's really the thing. You know, for me, like, I, I write about this in the book. You know, it took me two years of psychotherapy to be able to say the word incest out loud. I couldn't say it. I would sit wow. and stare at my therapist with my mouth open, sort of going, ugh, ugh. And, I, yes. and then I'd dissociate. Yes. You know, 12-step programs, and they are wonderful because they provide support to people who, who need that can't help you with that level of trauma. You yes. need treatment, whether that's an addiction treatment center or if that is um, intensive psychotherapy that you can get on your own, however you can get that, whether it's through the Veterans Administration, whether it's privately, whether it's through your insurance, however you can get that. Yes. You know, a lot of addicts really need that to focus on what caused them to drink and use in the first place? Because 12-step programs focus on the damage you've done to other people. I stole your car. I cheated with your husband. I did these things. But the problem with trauma is that most trauma is situational or was done to you. You were victimized as a child. You lived through a car accident. Yes. You walked in on your, on your uh, mother cheating, whatever it was. Yes. 12-step programs don't have, don't have the uh, ability to deal with those things. That's not right. what they're designed for. And they specifically tell you, seek other help. And yes. that's what you get in treatment. Yes. So um, early on in our discussion, you mentioned that uh, at uh, Cliffside, and I imagine most uh, places that does this kind of work, people can be there for 30 days, up to 120 days, whatever it is. I would assume that most people would benefit for more than 30 days. Yeah, it's really a misnomer of the 28-day cure, right? I mean, that's what people yeah. initially went for. And yes. what we've found is that, I mean, there are some people who really benefit from, from 30 days and are highly motivated or maybe have uh, been through recovery, um, tried it before and need a little yeah. bit of a, you know, yeah, but that's, but that's a small percentage, right? It is a small percentage. And what we find is that most people really need 90-ish, you know, give or take a little days of treatment. That that's yeah. really where most people fall. And then a lot of people as part of their aftercare plan, I mean, I don't want to, you know, think that anyone to think this is just a miracle. You walk in and you walk out, you know, you get a massage and you walk out sober. I mean, that's really not what this is. Yes. After 90 days... As part of your aftercare plan, there are people who will need to go to a recovery house yes. or, um, or will need to go to some place that is, you know, stepped down in terms of, um, of supervision, but right. still isn't just dumped back into the world. Because if you just get dumped back into your home life without a really good support system, you know, even with good treatment, you're, it, it hurts your odds of, of staying sober. Yes, on that note, we're going to take a, uh, our third and final commercial break, and we'll come back in about a minute.
a healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. Back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. We're in the final uh, f- final run to the to the uh, finish line here. We have about uh, 10, or 15, 10 or 11 minutes left. And um, uh, we were talking about at the end of the last session, I shouldn't say session, last commercial before that, we were talking about the advantage of being in a uh, program for 60 or 90 days, even 90 days better than 60 days. But that's probably a very small percentage of people who go for the full time, right? No, actually, we have about 45% of people who stay and complete treatment. Oh, good. That's in your, in, in, in the cliffside Cliff Malibu. Malibu. Yeah. And, and most, uh, most treatment centers don't share that information publicly. So I don't know what other treatment centers do, but we're at about 45% choose to stay. Yes. So, uh, it occurs to me that when we hear in the news, you know, celebrity A or celebrity B, they've been in for 30 days, they come out, and then later on go in for another 30 days. This is a revolving kind of thing. So I'm curious, what gets in their mind that keeps them believing they can keep going back for those 30 days, um, time out, so to speak, and uh, it doesn't really do them that much good? Well, it, it, you have to think of it as a timeout that the uh, judge ordered them to, or they don't want to go to jail, or yes. um, they want to uh, book a, you know, get booked for a movie, and so you know they have a bad reputation, so they go into treatment. It's really not about that's really not about recovery. That's about trying to manipulate the system so that you have the least consequences for your actions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So moving right along, in Chapter 8 of your book, uh, among other things, under, under the concept of the body, you talk about orthomolecular therapies. Right. So, so, orthomo- 
orthomolecular therapies are um, uh, orthomolecular medicine was uh, created by Linus uh, Pauling, a Nobel laureate, I believe yes. two-time Nobel laureate, and it's using nutritional supplements to help get the body as quickly as possible back to a state of optimum health. Uh huh. And so we use that because addicts don't show up to treatment healthy. <laughs> you know, they're very usually very sick. Yes. And so with proper nutrition, exercise, yoga, meditation, orthomolecular supplements, we help to bring the body to a state of health, health as quickly as possible and as much as possible. Yes. So I would assume that uh, for people who do all this while they're uh, in treatment, they could be doing these things afterwards also. In other words, to stay you know, with fitness program, a good nutritional program, and using uh, orthome- orthomolecular therapies, they can be doing that for the rest of their life, right? Absolutely, and that's something that we that we certainly encourage is is whatever worked for you in treatment, you know, is not going to be a bad idea outside. Yes. You know, if if you found, you know, we we really try to hook people up with the things and the individuals that that support them and give them pleasure. If you love sailing, yes. and sailing helps you to connect to yourself and your spirit and other people, then you should be sailing. Yes. If, you know, you know, walking, you know, after taking the dog for a walk with your with your spouse after dinner, you know, four nights a week helps you to connect with your your partner and feel better physically and emotionally, then you should be have you should have that. And that's what we encourage in, in treatment. Okay. Is finding that. All right. So when people uh throw around the word addiction, uh, obviously, there are different degrees of addiction. So, um, for me, as an, as an example, I've been a runner for many decades, and uh, I love running, and I enjoy it. When I'm injured and can't run, I, I'm, I'm you know have a certain amount of sadness that I can't run, but it, it doesn't uh, make my life miserable or anything. Uh, and some people would say, well, you know, you run, you run. 50 miles a week, that's way too much. You're an addict. How would you respond to that kind of thing? Addiction, you know, as opposed to doing something a little bit to excess, you know, people are like, I'm addicted to chocolate. Well, probably not. Addiction is when the behavior starts to have negative consequences in your life. So when you can't go to work because you're running or you can't, um, you can't uh, see clients because you're uh, at the hospital because you yet again have shin splints. Yes. That would be moving into an addictive process. If you just, you know, really like it and then miss it when you can't do it, that that's really not addiction. Okay, but to use your example with the candy, the chocolate candy, let's say, mm-hmm. um, people can eat a lot of chocolate candy and still get the rest of their day done. But they're putting in a lot of bad stuff in their body. Absolutely, but that and and so there can be you know health consequences. You you know yes. if you eat four pounds of of you know high high sugar candy that's you know made out of you know chem- mostly chemicals, yeah, you're probably yeah. going to become diabetic. 
Yes. You know, and, but that, but that isn't an addict in and of itself. If that's the only thing you're doing, isn't an addictive process. Addiction really is about the habit that causes negative consequences in your life. Okay. So, uh, speaking of that, so a lot, not a lot, but, uh, uh, a certain percentage of, uh, people who are addicted to alcohol, even they uh, go to a program, they don't use alcohol anymore, but they still smoke a lot of cigarettes. Yep. What's behind that? Why, why don't they just get rid of the cigarettes also? It's a transference of, of addiction and, um, you know, we look at, we look at consequences, you know, uh, I would prefer if they, you know, gave up both at the same time. It's usually a little easier, but a lot of people don't. And you, you probably aren't going to, you know, miss your daughter's wedding because you're smoking a cigarette unless you I die see. of, you know, cancer. So yes. we try to, we try to minimize the interpersonal problem. Which, which makes sense, yeah. I mean, it's better in some ways for the person to be smoking like a chimney and going to their child's wedding than going to the child's wedding while they're intoxicated. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And that, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, I don't know if you have any idea, what percentage of people who were addicted to alcohol and no longer use it also no longer smoke? Does oh, anybody know? I have know? no idea. Okay. No, I haven't. I've never seen that data. Okay. So uh, would you say that um, I have a bunch of questions made up by your by you and your publicist, and one of the questions is uh, describe the ideal treatment program. That's probably your uh, outfit. Well, Cliffside I mean, I, Malibu, I really, right? I really respect, I really respect what they do at, at yeah. Cliffside Malibu. I mean, I, I think, I think it has the right combination of intensive psychotherapy, um, understanding the change process, and then holistic support so that the person can heal. And I don't know of a treatment center that has the same um, level of, of positive results. Of At one year, the number of people that they have uh, still sober is really, in this industry, astounding. And I think that's why I'm I'm so enthusiastic about them. And I also, you know, I, I really respect, you know, we, we talked on the break about helping people to, to connect. I mean, that's yes. really what addiction recovery is about. It's about hope. It's about getting a new life. It's about helping people to connect to the people that they love in their lives. You know, addicts yes. can't look anybody in the eye when, yes. they, when they first uh, get into recovery. And through treatment, through developing right. a relationship with their psychotherapist and through the other treatment professionals and then with family programming yes. and aftercare, they can. They can be proud of themselves. Yes. They can have the life that they're looking for. And, and they can have something they never dreamed they'd have. Yes. Well, we have to stop at this point. That was a wonderful uh, uh, ending to the show. Thank you so much. And I agree, connection is really important. And hopefully, people you know, around the uh, world hear the show. So maybe some of them will be coming to the Cliffside Malibu Treatment Center. Who knows? We would love that. Okay. So thank you so much for being my guest. And uh, I will talk to you in the near future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.